What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena. I'm Griffin Senek, joined by my good friend today, Devin Bernstein. And we're back once again this week for another episode. A bit of a slow week in sports, to be honest. I mean, now that football is over, it's kind of in that dry period where we, the draft really hasn't picked up yet. Free agency's not to come. Baseball is obviously an absolute disaster right now with the state of the lockout, just an absolute mess. So the NBA is really taking center stage, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're really just going to kind of break down the current state of the NBA, what we think is going to proceed over these next few weeks. Um, you know, a lot of players are getting injured slowly but surely. Um, you know, we've seen Chris Paul, Darius Garland, some recent names that, you know, really could be out for a while. So um, a lot to talk about. Um, but I guess we will kind of start in the Eastern Conference. Um, Devin here, for the people who do not know, is a big Sixers fan. So I think it's only right that we start with uh, the biggest news in the NBA recently, which is James Harden being traded to the Sixers. And, you know, Philadelphia is undefeated with with uh, Mr. Harden. He dropped the triple-double in today's win over the Knicks. I mean, Devin, what's what's been your early impressions of, of James Harden and the, and the fit he really has on the on the 76ers? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot going on here. Um, the first the first thing that's been really apparent in these couple of games is is been the chemistry between he and Embiid has instantly been kind of pretty great, which is uh, a really good sign to me, given that Harden's mostly been playing, you know, throughout his career. Most of his big guys have been guys like Capella, Dwight Howard you know, kind of more rim running big guys and then, you know, a bunch of shooters around him and and beat as good as he is. He's not your typical, you know, run, jump and run, jump and dunk center um, like, you know, Harden has been used to. But even so, the two are just so good that it seems like they've already been able to figure it out. Um, outside of that, I mean, Harden's just a great passer. I think that's something you forget. Um, but, you know, 16 assists today, 12 assists uh, against Minnesota, I believe. And, you know, just finding guys, the pick and roll is unstoppable. Um, it's I really like everything so far. Um, they're even already kind of staggering the minutes so that it's, you know, usually Embiid and, and, and Maxi or or Tobias and and Harden, which I think does a good job of kind of, you know, even though they're four really good guys that allows us to spread out the shots a little more and, you know, keep up uh, a better unit on the court at all times, which has been something with Doc Rivers in the past. Um, but yeah, I've, I've loved the start for this group. Um, it's looked pretty great so far. Yeah, I mean, I think you, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of uh, key points. I mean, it, it's clear already that it's a, a really perfect fit between the two of them. I mean, I, I think the way Embiid's played this year, I mean, he's been, you know, the best top three player, um, you know, wherever you want to put him. I mean, there's a lot of good players right now, but, you know, he's for sure this season been in, in the top three. And, um, you know, James Harden really just adds a whole nother level to this Philadelphia team offensively, really. I mean, you know, with the Ben Simmons trade, obviously Ben Simmons, you know, while he was there, he was a strong defender, had good moments, but this year he hasn't been playing. So you're essentially just inserting James Harden for, you know, Seth Curry, who obviously is a solid player and, and Drummond, who, um, you know, has had his heyday in the league at this point, kind of a more transition to a backup at this point. Um, but I mean, he, Harden looks great. I mean, I think Harden's always been a, a very good player. I know, you know, the points, he's never going to average what he did in Houston. I mean, those are just ridiculous numbers on a team that was had no other scoring options. So I think it's it's good for him to really not have the pressure of having to score, per se, with Embiid and, and be able to use him. And I think, you know, for the Sixers, too, offensively, I mean, having Harden just takes a lot of pressure off Embiid because, you know, teams are not going to be able to just double both these guys. So automatically, you know, one of these guys is going to have a great matchup and whatnot, night in and night out. It's clear that this team... Um, it's built to win. I mean, I'd say 
Harden and Embiid, I mean, it's probably the best duo in the NBA right now, I'd have to say. I mean, obviously you can look at, you know, LeBron and AD, but AD hasn't been fantastic this year. Katie Kyrie, obviously another strong duo. I mean, there's a lot of good duos, but I think Harden and, uh, and Embiid are probably the best duo in the league. And, and that's not all this Philadelphia team has, which makes them dangerous. I mean, they've got Tobias Harris, who as a third option um, with Harden and Embiid is, is really dangerous. Maxi um, is a great player. Thibel's, uh, you know, excellent defender. I mean, there's a lot of pieces on this Philadelphia team, a lot to like. So, I mean, this is their, uh, you know, they, they had that year with Jimmy, obviously in the playoffs where they lost to Toronto, which I think was outside of uh, this year, their best shot to win the title. But, right. you know, this is the, this is their, their title window with Embiid. I mean, he's a player who, you know, due to his you know past nature of having injuries, who knows what's going to happen with him in his later years. So I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to play, uh, you know, dominantly into his late, 30s even mid 30s potentially so this is the time to you know capitalize on his prime which appears to be you know right now his peak and uh you know they did that by acquiring Harden and so far so good for them I mean couldn't have asked for a better start to be honest yeah I mean like you said there's no um there's no better time than right now I mean I think obviously generally in, in the in the history of the NBA we haven't seen a ton of you know superstar trades at the trade deadline you know obviously last year with Harden who's been traded twice in <laughs> like a year and a half which is insane but uh forgetting that you know it's rare you see a guy get traded mid-season and then that team really you know completely changes mid-season you know you saw pow uh you know to the lakers um rasheed wallace to the pistons in 04 that team ended up winning the championship but you know he was kind of the third option offensively on that team like he was a good player but you know that's the, the you know all due respect that's nothing compared to the impact james harden has on this team um so, you know, that's one thing that I would say I'm worried about, but, you know, you've got Harden who's, who's into his early thirties and he's, you know, not been one to, you know, that things can go South pretty quickly with Harden as we've seen recently. And like you touched on with Embiid, you know, you never know if he's going to get hurt or, or if he's just not going to be the same one day. Um, so I think there's, there's no better time than right now. And it's not, it's not like the rest of the team is bad either. Like you said, I mean, Maxi for a guy in his second year, looks like he's been in the league for, for 10 years. And Tobias, I mean, Tobias has had his, his struggles for sure um, in, in the playoffs. And, you know, in these first two games, it's kind of looked like he's just a role player. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's a good problem to have if, you know, Tobias isn't getting enough shots um, and, you know, hopefully, these are all good basketball players, whether it's, you know, Tobias who steps up defensively a little more or Harden says, you know what, I'm fine to only put up 20 a game or Embiid gets back to, you know, really being a, a defensive player of the year caliber guy. Just he really hasn't been able to be that guy because of the offensive load this year. But, you know, that could that could eventually change. You saw today at four blocks and obviously the the 27 free throw attempts jump out to me um, as as, you know, like obviously, you know, it can be annoying to watch that. But at the same time. Most of those, most of his free throws, you look at the play, like you can't tell me that he, he wasn't fouled there. The reason he gets so many free throws is because people can't really stop him without fouling him. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia, it's clear that this team, you know, I, I think arguably they got to be the favorites right now in the East uh, with that duo, like we've been talking about Harden and Embiid. But the, the Eastern Conference this year is, is very fascinating. I mean, the, obviously the, uh, you know, the one in the eight seed um, right now are separated by eight games, but the middle of this pack, I mean, Starting from, you know, I'd say the Sixers are, are pretty safe, but Cleveland down to, you know, the play-in with the Raptors. I mean, it's all between, you know, three and a half games right now. So it's really tight in the Eastern Conference. A lot of good teams in the East. Outside of Philadelphia, I mean, what are the teams you're kind of looking at and saying, 
you know, maybe three teams that you think are, uh, are, you know, elite contenders and can compete with a team like the Sixers and, and really have a chance to come out of the East. Um, so number one would, would definitely be my like, you know, kind of co-favorites in the East. I would say either one of these could be your pick and I really wouldn't disagree with you at all. That would be the Bucks um, championship pedigree. Giannis is one of the best players in the world. He's a great defender. Um, the defensive system has given Embiid some troubles, although before the break, we saw Embiid have a great game against them. And again, Embiid and Harden is not going to be easy for any defense to to prepare for. But again, you know, that that's that's a defense that's, you know, given a lot of teams some issues. Um, I would say one thing is if they get Brooke Lopez back um, just to have a big body who can kind of commit himself to Embiid and not have to worry about having Giannis on him um, for a majority of the game, because obviously with foul trouble and energy and et cetera, um, that's, you know, ideally you wouldn't have to have Giannis on Embiid all of the time, but, you know, between him and Ibaka and Portis, and then obviously, you know, in some possessions you can put him, uh, put Giannis on Embiid and, and, you know, understand that Giannis is one of the best defenders on the world in the world and um to be honest for them I would say their big concern is really just Chris Middleton uh has really had a tough year I think you know he played great in the playoffs last year I don't think they win that championship without him playing at the level he did um and I think he I think he will get back to that level but I I don't think uh people are talking about that quite enough he's had a he's had a tough year and I think that's been you know a big reason why they've had a a tiny dip in the record which you know obviously championship hangover injuries etc but um they're they're definitely a, a threat uh number two i think you look at the heat um you know just the defense jimmy bam kyle lowry is a guy who hasn't really been shooting that much in the regular season but i i won't be surprised at all if he he gives you some clutch performances in the playoffs as much as you know he's kind of been known as a playoff choker i still don't i still don't I, I won't be uh, surprised if he turns it up in the playoffs and then they've got shooters kind of everywhere between Duncan Robinson. Hero's a great six man. PJ Tucker is a great glue guy. I mean, they're well coached um, in terms of upper end talent. We might have the two best players in that series, but you still don't want to mess with the heat. And then third would be my, um, I think every NBA fans dream series would be a, a net sixer series for very obvious reasons between, you know, potentially the best scorer in the NBA and Kevin Durant, you have one of the most skilled basketball players on earth. Who's probably going to be able to play every game. Uh, it looks like after, after the ruling today, at, at least come playoff time, it looks like Kyrie will be playing every game. And then you have the, you know, kind of question mark of Ben Simmons, you know, with the back injury and um, they don't seem to be in a huge rush to get him back to playing, but I think he will be back by playoff time. And again, it's a lot of ifs. It's a lot of, if they can stay healthy, if they can fit together, there are a lot of questions. There's a lot of guys on the team who think they deserve minutes. I mean, you look at their roster, you've got about 13, 14 guys who it's like, not all these guys are going to play. Like they're going to have to figure something out, but ultimately that's, it's more of a good problem to have. They have a lot of guys you can throw out there. And again, one of the few guys that in a series right now, you're like, he might actually be as good or better than Joel Embiid and in Kevin Durant, who obviously we haven't seen in a while, but he's, he's a great player. So those would be my main three. I would give an honorable mention to the bulls. I just, I think they're always slighted. Everyone is always like, Oh, the bulls are, are kind of fake. They're not real contenders. I think they are, but I think they're, they fall just outside the top three for me. Yeah. I mean, I think the East is, is extremely fascinating. I mean, there's teams for me, you've got obviously, you know, teams like the Cavs, the Celtics and the Raptors that, you know, I don't think any of those teams are necessarily championship ready, but 
they're all teams that, you know, I think, you know, I mean, Cleveland's in a tough spot right now with Garland out and, and Levert's out and Rondo's hurt. I mean, they're, they're, Sexton's been out the whole year, so they're really banged up. I mean, I could see them, in all honesty, falling off a little bit, maybe even falling into the plan just because of these injuries and how killer they are. I mean, they're having to start bringing Goodwin out there at point guard instead of their all-star point guard. It, it's not ideal for a team fighting for a playoff spot. Um, you know, them, the Celtics and the Raptors, um, you know, I think they're good teams. I don't necessarily think they're going to compete with the title. Could I see any of these teams winning a playoff series? Absolutely. Like, I think any of these teams, they all kind of have something about them that, that uh, you know, gives them a chance to, you know, win and, and has led them to be successful. I just don't think, you know, those are real title contenders. I think the rest of these teams, I mean, the Bucks, like you said, I mean, they, they, they've been there. They've got Giannis. And, and Giannis is one of those guys at this point who – you know, the way he plays, how hard he plays, how efficient he is, how you know good of a defender he is, you know, just having him makes you instant title contenders. Like right. he can completely change the game and, and they've got a good team around him. And they've done a good job. Their depth is, uh, you know, better than it has been at recent moments. So I think the Bucks are a good team. Um, like you said, I mean, the Heater are a solid team. They're, they've got a lot of players. They, you know, Jimmy, Bam, uh, Kyle Lowry. I mean, these guys haven't even really played together too much this season. They're 40 and 21. So um it really shows that that team's legit um and brooklyn is i think the most fascinating team out of this bunch because i mean if brooklyn is healthy i'll be honest like they might be my my favorites um i mean you've got kevin durant who you know was him be honest and 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 beat or you know maybe the top three players i mean you got to probably put Jokic, lebron i mean that's probably probably your top five right there in the nba right now uh the way they're playing um I mean, KD, Kyrie, I mean, the whole Kyrie situation is obviously so odd at this point. It seems like he's going to play, but then you hear things that he's not going to play right away because of this sector and whatnot. I mean, it's it's a very odd situation at this point, to be honest. But you got to imagine the way things are trending and whatnot, that he'll be he'll be at least able to play at home in the playoffs. And then, I mean, Ben Simmons is the is the big question mark. I mean, he's got back issues now. I mean, if he's on the floor, I, I think he'll he'll be successful as a you know third option and, and someone who really, I think, on that team, there's not going to be much pressure on him to score the basketball, which I think is key. You know, he's just going to be there. He can be a solid defensive player, a good passer, uh, you know, rebound some shots. I mean, that's kind of all they need him to do. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, Ben Simmons will be a good fit. I think he set up for success there. Um, Obviously if he plays Philadelphia, I mean, that could be a whole nightmare of a series for him. Obviously I think um, things would get ugly, but when you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it definitely helps because I don't think there's as much pressure on him to be a scorer, be that, you know, stud option, as he was in Philadelphia, per se, they don't really, you know, there's not as much pressure, let's say, on Ben Simmons to get a jump shot in Brooklyn as there was in Philadelphia. Um, and then, um, sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you can go ahead. I just think if Simmons is is in a place where, you know, fouling him is not, you know, it's not like teams are just intentionally fouling him and putting him on the line, just daring him to score. I think we'll be in a fine position just between again two of the best scores honestly of all time on that team and then you've also you've got Seth Curry you've got Patty Mills you've got um Bruce Brown you potentially could have Joe Harris coming back I mean the amount of shooting spacing the offensive talent on this uh team is is better than than he ever had it in Philly regardless of Embiid um and and pretty much all of those guys that I mentioned can really shoot it well and I wouldn't be surprised to see them use him kind of at at the five at the end of games in a kind of Draymond Green type of role um which I think you know, I think he's just too good of a basketball player not to to succeed in that. But then, you know, you could also have the the Simmons who's scared to go to the line. He can't shoot. He 
yeah. he's you know kind of seems checked out like you never really know with Simmons he's a huge question mark obviously the same can kind of be said with Kyrie you know more of, a, of an off the court thing you know with the injuries and the fact that he kind of just left the team for a period last year and KD struggled to stay healthy but there's so many question marks they fascinate me beyond belief they signed Goran Dragic which is interesting um I, I have no idea. If you wanted to tell me the Nets lose in the play-in, I would be like, sure. If you tell me the Nets win the championship, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I could see that. Like, I think they probably have the, the widest range of outcomes, like realistically of any team. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very fascinating. I, I'm, I mean, it's all gonna, I think it's all going to depend on health at the end of the day. You know, right now they're, they got a bunch of, you know, um, it's a nightmare to say the least, but, you know, if, if they can get all these guys on the floor at the same time, I mean, it, it really could be scary. And then, Lastly, before we move to uh, the Western Conference here, I mean, the Chicago Bulls are uh, are a very interesting team. I mean, I, I honestly think they're – I feel they're underrated, to be honest. I mean, I think that, you know, DeMar DeRozan right now has been – this last stretch of games, I mean, he's been like the best player in the NBA at this point. I mean, he's, yeah. he's just on an absolute tear. And, I'm, you know, it's very ha- good to see him succeeding. I think this guy, you know, especially after the San Antonio days, really got left out of the conversation yeah. as one of these elite players. And people kind of forgot how good he was in Toronto. I mean, that guy was – you know, a superstar there and, and he's really succeeded there. And I mean, this team is, uh, I mean, they're a deep team. They've got a lot of talent. They've got obviously Vucevic, uh, you know, at full health, Lonzo Ball, they've got uh, Levine who's been banked up. Um, you know, they, they had, you know, the guard, Io, uh, Dosim Manu, I completely botched that, but out of Illinois, I mean, he's been, I don't know how that guy, I mean, the, the weird thing about the NBA draft is you see all these guys succeeding in college and then they just go in like the second round, some of these guys. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the guys who, if you watch him in college, you'd be like, yeah, I think we'll be a solid NBA player. And, you know, it's not really surprising to see he's succeeding. I don't really know why. You know, it's one of these weird things about the NBA yeah. draft where it's like, there's some of these guys that just do so well, but they just, people are like, oh, he doesn't have the build to be in the NBA. Send him to the second round. It's, it's every year there's a few guys where it's just like, like, yeah, maybe this guy's, you know, a little older or whatever, but it's like, I don't see a world where he doesn't become a solid NBA player. And I feel like Io is definitely was one of those guys who was just like, okay, like whatever team takes him, it's going to be a steal, but you know. Yeah. Very odd. But I mean, they've got a lot of good players. They signed Tristan Thompson, obviously who, you know, he's not a stud, but to have a guy who's, you know, had championship experience, been to four finals and whatnot. Um, it can only help you, especially, you know, that team uh, to be honest, you know, they, they do lack some of that championship pedigree. Not a lot of those guys. I mean, they do have guys like Caruso, I guess you could say, but like the main guys, Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, um, you know, Zach Levine, these are guys that haven't really seen much of the playoffs, to be honest. So, you know, guys like that, veterans like that help at, at the end of the day. And, you know, you need that uh, really to win a championship. So very interesting. I think the East is going to be fascinating to watch. I think the, the Eastern Conference playoffs are going to be truly, I mean, it, it's going to be uh, very exciting to watch because I don't think there's really potentially any series where it's, I mean, there's not one of those teams where, I mean, normally you have these teams in in the seven and eight seeds, I feel that are, you know, these teams that are just going to get ran over. And right now in the seven and eight seeds, you got the Raptors and, and the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, yeah. it could really shape up to be an incredible playoff. Yeah. So um, the East is going to be uh, extremely fun to watch moving forward, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we kind of, you know, we kind of, I, I agree with you when you were like, oh, like, I don't really see the Celtics or the Raptors or the Cavs, you know, making a run. But at the same time, these are teams that could win series is series. Yeah. And um Honestly, if you look at them like two years ago, you placed them in that NBA, like they're a team you could see making the conference finals. But now it's just the East has become so loaded with those top five teams. It 
it doesn't it seems crazy to even discuss any of those teams making a run even though you know I love the Raptors defense and their switchability and I love the way Van Vliet's playing and the Celtics have been like great in in the calendar in the new calendar year and the the Cavs are having a great season but at the same time it, it just feels wrong to even include them as legitimate contenders unfortunately it's just it's a problem with the NBA right now you know it's too yeah. stacked almost <laughs> it really is but then on the flip side here you know moving over to the western conference i mean th- this is a conference right now where it really seems to be you know you've got a few teams and and maybe three three teams maybe four teams and that's it i mean the the rest of it is just i mean obviously the lakers are i mean everyone will talk about the lakers i mean what a it, it's just weird it's hard to even fathom how how the lakers have been so bad this season um the clippers i mean they, that's one of the biggest nightmare not nightmares but just I mean, when they signed Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, th- this team has been that mediocre this year and in, in the last few years hasn't done anything. I mean, crazy disappointment. You've obviously got teams like the Timberwolves. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs, if we're being honest. The Mavericks, as good as the Mavericks and Nuggets, as good as Luka and Nikola Jokic are, I mean, I don't know if either of those teams are going anywhere in the playoffs. The Jazz are first or second round exit. I mean, it's like, it's all these teams. I mean, the, the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, you got the Grizzlies at the top. I mean, what are your thoughts on the on the state of the Western Conference right now? Because it really seems like, I mean, it, honestly, it for for me right now, I I can't see a team outside of Phoenix or Golden State. I mean, even the Grizzlies, how good they played, I, I just I don't know if they had the experience quite yet. I mean, I honestly can't see either Phoenix or, or Golden State not being in the the NBA Finals at this point. Yeah, I mean, the only teams that I I definitely consider consider teams that I would be, you know, kind of, I'm, you know, in the East, there's like six teams that I'm like, yeah, this team should win at least one series. The only two teams that I'm like, this team is definitely looking like a a team that's at least going to win one playoff series are are the Suns and the Warriors. I mean, look at the Grizzlies. They've had a great year. Jaws playing great, but you know, this isn't a team that's won a playoff series. This isn't a team that has, has been there. And I don't necessarily not trust them but I don't think they've built you know that level of trust where you know you can just automatically pick them we've seen the jazz struggle year after year after year in the playoffs and kind of refuse to do anything about it and you know Donovan Mitchell's great Gobert is is a great interior defender but ultimately they've gotten you know kind of embarrassed in in multiple playoff runs in a row Um, and then to me, then it starts to get interesting. I think the Mavs are a team that I've actually have a decent amount of confidence in. Justin Luca's playing great right now, um, and and they've built a very good defense. And honestly, if you look at if you look at the big reason why the record isn't good, it's because they're just kind of having a, a lot of guys who have who are having some off shooting seasons. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is out, and he could be coming back at some point. Obviously, there was the the Porzingis trade, which I don't. I'm not exactly sure what was what was the mindset behind that, but you know, you're getting at least Dan Witty and Bertans who can be on the court. And again, you have Luca who's a, a rising star in this league. And if they can continue to play great defense, I think they could, you know, maybe win a series. And then you look at my three big question mark teams. Um, that would be the LA teams and, and the Nuggets. And the reason why they're question marks to me is because when fully healthy and fully, you know, ready or whatever, they have the ability to at least, you know, win a series or two. Um, and for the LA teams, they're both championship contenders if they're at their absolute peak. But you know, Kawhi might might play, he might not. 
Paul George, he might play, he might not. We we don't really know. And generally, I feel like when you're not hearing much buzz about a guy, it's not the best of news in the world. Um, the Nuggets, you know, Jamal Murray, it was around a year ago when he tore his ACL. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him back in the playoffs. But, you know, coming off an ACL, that's never going to be easy to rely on a guy who's coming off an ACL. You've got Michael Porter Jr. I think he's supposed to come back around the end of the regular season. But again, you don't really know where he's going to be at. He was struggling to start the year. And then the Lakers, I think we would need to devote a, a, a whole nother podcast to talk <laughs> about them. Um, but they're a mess. But obviously they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, which generally is not a, a fun thing to play in the playoffs. So I think those are three teams that I could see. I would say maybe one of those teams gets healthy or figures it out and wins a series or two. I would say the Suns and Warriors are, are probably both. I, I would say they're on a collision course to meet in the conference finals right now. And then I think, you know, one of the Jazz or the Grizzlies, um, you know, one of those teams will probably win a series. Um, shout out to the Timberwolves for having a pretty solid year. Pretty, you know, good story, but I don't I don't think they're really going to be able to contend to win a series here. So, yeah, the, the West is very interesting, too. Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, Phoenix and – I mean, Phoenix is great. Golden State, they're a great ball club. Um I mean, you, the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, they're 22 games over 500. I mean, this is a good team, but, I mean, they've got no guys, basically, who've seen the playoffs, been in playoff series, won playoff series. Jaw's great, but uh, I just don't – maybe they'll win a series, but I could – I mean, I guess right now, who would they play? They would play the Nuggets. I, I mean, I, I honestly would probably give the Nuggets the benefit of the doubt just because of Nikola Jokic at that point. You know, I think the West is outside of those top two teams is going to come down to uh, who has the the better superstar. And at the end of the day, I mean, the Utah Jazz. I mean, this is a team we've heard a lot about. I mean, it seems like this is this is a team that's going to break up after this season, most likely. I mean, Donovan Mitchell seems like his time in Utah is most likely coming to an end. I honestly, I mean, it's everything I've been seeing seems like honestly the Knicks might be the team for him. I mean, he's a guy with you know New York roots. He's a Mets fan. Um, his dad works for the Mets. I, I really, I, he's from, you know, Westchester. So, yeah. um, or Greenwich, maybe something in the area. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's a guy who I see potentially wanting to join the Knicks. I mean, the, the Mavericks, like you said, are very interesting. The Porzingis trade was very odd, but they've got Luca. He's a superstar. And it's kind of the same thing with the Nuggets. Like they have Jokic, uh, Jokic, but you know, they've got injury problems of their own, you know, at full health, this maybe is a team that can make a run in the playoffs. Timberwolves, you know, great, great regular season. The future honestly looks pretty good for them with Ant Edwards, you know, playing good. Cat looks good. You know, D'Angelo Russell, you know, you know, he is, what he is what he is at this point in his NBA career. I mean, there's not, he's a solid player, but you know, he's not going to be some superstar Clippers. I mean, their season's over to be honest. I mean, quiet. I it seems like he's done for the year. They're not even going to play this year. Paul George. I mean, doesn't sound good for him either. And then the Lakers are, are, I mean, a very interesting team, um, you know, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like you said, I mean, this is a team that you cannot count out of any series. And it's one of those teams that, I mean, I want to say I can see them going far in the playoffs, but then I watch them playing in the regular season and they, they lose to like, you know, all these teams. I mean, they're losing, they lost to the, you know, I think it was before the break, but the Blazers who had like literally no one, I mean, it's just like, what's going on and you know LeBron James as great as he is at, at this point in his career as excellent as he's playing you know he, he just is, does not seem like he's going to be able to carry these teams this team to the playoffs and it, 
I mean, I, I don't know what it is because you, I mean, the problem is they've got a lot of guys who are, you know, kind of past their prime and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, Russell Westbrook has, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he is, I feel bad because this guy's been such a, a superstar for so long. And now after this season, I mean, and people are just clowning on him, seems to forget how good he was. And I, I don't know what's going on. I think, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't know mentally what's going on, but you got to think there's some sort of mental battle with all the, you know, publicity, all the struggle in Los Angeles. Um, I, I, I can't write them off. I mean, that's a team that I can see winning a series. I, I don't know if, I don't think they can win the finals, but LeBron James has proved a lot of people wrong in his career. You know, the New Orleans Pelicans are another one of those teams. I mean, I don't think Zion Williamson will, will take the floor this year, but if he steps on the court with, uh, you know, Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, all of a sudden, you know, you got to look at that team potentially and say, you know, Zion, you know, when, you know, when he was playing was, you know, elite player. So maybe that team could make a, win a series, but I don't think, I mean, that, what do you think of that whole Zion situation? I mean, that's a whole nother, you hear this week that, you know, he didn't even reach out to CJ McCollum. I mean, it seems evident that his time in new Orleans is, is coming to an end, but the whole, I mean, this guy's career at this point, it just seems like it's in a downward spiral at this point. Um, What do you, what are your whole thoughts on the whole situation? I think the Zion situation is, is a fascinating case of, of, of the player empowerment debate in the NBA. I think I generally fall on the side of, you know, on the players most times. And I think um, JJ Redick, who this was like, you know, he came on first take and talked about Zion and he's someone who, if you look at his, his opinions on most things is almost always very pro player empowerment. Um, And, and he didn't, he didn't hold back. I mean, he made it pretty clear that Zion hasn't, he hasn't earned player empowerment. I mean, you can talk about, you know, the idea of being on a rookie contract and wanting to get out of somewhere and all of that. But, you know, I think it comes down to a pretty basic human thing of reaching out to a teammate, reaching out to somebody who I believe is, is, is he the vice president of the players association? I mean, CJ McCollum's a very, he's yeah, he's a very respected player in this league. Um, you know, forget that he's a 20 point per game scorer. I mean, how, how he doesn't, reach out to him and say hi and how he hasn't, you know, I don't know. I think a big reason why we don't know what's going on with the injury is because the Pelicans don't know what's going on with the injury. It's, it's, you know, it, it just, it doesn't look good at this point, to be honest with Zion. Yeah. I mean, the the new Orleans Pelicans are, I mean, this isn't just a a nightmare situation because, you know, a few years ago when this team, you know, had the, the number one overall pick. And then obviously I believe it was the number four overall pick they also oh. had, but then they, they traded that, I believe. Right. And then selected Hayes later. On they the traded down like for Hayes and Alexander Walker, which is kind of both ended up. Not yeah. Working. Not great. So, I mean, that's, that's killed them. But I mean, this was a team that, I mean, they're young, you know, it, it really seemed like this team was on kind of the come up and that this was going to be a serious threat for years to come. Zion looked good, but I mean, I, I just don't know what's going on. You, this guy is, I mean, he's just faded out of, you know, pub, the public. I mean, I, I mean, there's been a few reports here and there, and you, you hear that, you know, the weight has become a real problem and that, you know, he's got all these issues. And, I mean, I, it, it, I think this is a whole thing probably from him of where he's just trying to get out of there. It seems like he's already done, um, which sucks for the Pelicans, obviously. I mean, because, I mean, this whole situation, I mean, it's like, it's one of the Ben Simmons type situations where it's like, what's kind of the value at this point? Because this is a guy who now, you know, he's supposedly been injured this whole season, obviously was an elite player, um, you know, really elite player um, with, you know, major upside, you know, when he was on the court, but all of a sudden, I mean, you just don't even know what's going on with him. Um, uh, it's just one of the, I mean, it, it, time will only tell with the situation, but it's, it's, 
it's crazy. I mean, to hear something like this of a, of a player of his magnitude, of his stardom, and no one essentially knows what's going on. No one has heard from him. And he's, you know, not reaching out to teammates, which is, you know, if he's supposedly the superstar there, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, I have no idea, but this team is just, they're, you know, right now the 11 seed, a game out of the play-in, but I mean, what, if they don't have Zion, I mean, it's just a, a nightmare. And I mean, I, it seems like he'll be traded, but I mean, it, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of struggling to find the words because it's so confusing and so odd. Like I, yeah. there's been a lot of cases where we've seen players want to be traded, but this one is just particularly so off because the guys essentially just disappeared, has all these injuries. And I mean, what, what's next essentially, I don't know what's to come. And, and, you know, it, it's just so weird and, and strange and, you know, it's not been good for him because, you know, there's a lot of bad things about his character being said right now, um, you know, because of what's being come out and JJ Reddick clearly, um, you know, he's had experience and, and he did not have kind words. So clearly uh, not the finest, or kindest uh, endorsements of Zion going out there right now, but a very interesting situation to say the least. Yeah. I mean, you look at um, it, it's, it's so unprecedented to even think about a guy who's 21 and just average 27 and seven at age 20 wanting out. I mean, you can't even, you know, besides the fact that, you know, his injuries and all the unknowns with his character, I don't even know what do you even what even is a trade package look like for Zion? Is it an older like super like you know a, a I don't even I can't even it's it's hard for me to even imagine a world where a guy like this gets traded. Um, and you know it's almost it's the Pelicans. It's almost like they're kind of floating around mediocrity as a team right now, and that's almost like the least noteworthy thing about them. It, you know it it almost doesn't matter how good they are. They're, you know, kind of whatever. They're kind of an obscure NBA team right now. It's just all about the Zion situation. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, It's, you know, I think only time will tell. I think, I think going into next season, we're going to have some type of answer in terms of, does he want out? Is he just kind of being difficult? Is this from his camp? I mean, I think, you know, going into the NBA, I think everyone thought Zion was a super nice guy. I think he just seemed like a fun loving, you know, everyone kind of loved him at Duke, but he seemed like the type of guy where it was like everyone, you know, that was around him and knew him said he was a super nice guy. So it's unclear if this is a bit of like a, a Kawhi situation where it was more the family and the team around him. I've heard, you know, that his, his stepdad is, is, is the one kind of controlling it here. And that, you know, his, that kind of camp wasn't happy with the, you know, lack of, of publicity last year, you know, having that great year last year, no one really talked about it, which is funny because, you know, he was the biggest story in the NBA as a rookie who barely played. And then he started to play last year and was playing great and no one really talked about it. Um, And that's, you know, statistically, I think the smallest market in the NBA in terms of um, the revenue that they generate from their own market. Um, So I, I, you know, I kind of understand why, you know, there's some frustration, but at the same time, he's a guy who's in his second year and it's not like the Pelicans have really, you know, done anything wrong. And you just kind of feel for them because, you know, they, they picked the no brainer number one overall pick and they're kind of getting burned for it when they didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you now look, and I'm sure within their, uh, you know, organization, they're probably, it's crazy because you look at a guy like John Moran and that's probably the guy they're wishing they took because John Moran is, at this point, John Morant's, you know, this he's evolving into a superstar, a player right now that, you know, I mean, 
what a top two potentially that could have been. I mean, what a draft class really. I mean, yep. obviously RJ has been, you know, he's improving. I mean, he's not at that level of those other two, but RJ's, you know, a, a very good young player who's still very young. Like we've said, I mean, these guys are 21 years of age almost, you know, I think John might be a little older, but I might even be wrong on that. But I mean, these are young, good players and the Zion thing, like you said, 21 years old and, and, you know, he's already wanting out. I mean, that's the one thing about, the one thing I, I'm starting to dislike about some of these leagues, and I think it really is pertaining to like the NBA and the NFL more than the MLB per se, is that a lot of players are starting to kind of ask for trades, which I understand. I understand if people are you know unhappy and they're in a situation that they don't like and they feel they're being mistreated and all that. I'm all for that. And I'm all for players getting in situations where they're happy, their families are happy. Um, and, you know, it, it, because, you know, a key superstar player being unhappy really, you know, hurts the whole of the organization. But I just think it's reached a level where um, we're just seeing it kind of, if, if you're upset about one thing, we're just seeing guys kind of want out and, you know, it, it, it is what it is at this point. I think it's just become the nature of the game. It's definitely something that's been new in the last five or 10 years per se. I mean, I don't think this was something that happened really back in the day. I mean, obviously it obviously happened. I mean, you know, uh, one thought that immediately comes to mind is like Scotty Pippen on the the Bulls. Obviously, was you know one of the most publicly uh, discussed you know trade requests. But it, it's very interesting to see how many superstars at this point in these you know the NBA and also the NFL uh, with some of these quarterbacks are really asking to be traded one out. Um, it's very interesting. It's just a, a kind of interesting part of the game. And I mean, now we're seeing it in players who are you know in their third third year in the league and they're already you know I want out and. Yeah, I mean, Zion Williamson, you know, with the whole system, the NBA with restricted free agency, I mean, that's a guy who the Pelicans probably envision keeping for 10 years or so, at least before he really had, you know, I mean, it's crazy, the whole situation. I, I You got to feel for the New Orleans Pelicans. and It's just something that they couldn't have predicted and, and what a nightmare for them. Yeah. I mean, generally in the NBA, you're looking at the, the first four years of um the rookie deal, obviously, that's full team control, and then restricted free agency. Almost always, if a team is willing to give a guy five years, it's almost always, you know, the case that the guy is going to take it. So you're looking at about nine years of theoretical team control, and you know, obviously, say you get to the last two years of that of that extension, yeah. that's when you can start to start to really think about a guy, you know, you know, whether it's a guy saying I want out or just a guy that's like, you know, I'm probably going to leave or at least explore my options. You know, you might as well think about trading me, you know, like we saw with Paul George. I think that was, you know, that was, I think, a, a situation where you could say like he was he was doing that in, in the right way. He didn't say I'm out of here. You know, I hate you. I'm not playing for you. I think he just was like, hey, my contract's up in a year. I'm I'm probably going to look at my options. And, you know, I don't think you guys should have to get the short end of the stick. Um and I think that, you know, that's, there's something very different between that and, and the Zion situation. You look at, you know, probably the most extreme example of loyalty right now. You look at Dame Willard, who it's like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can't even imagine Zion's, you know, Zion has, has nothing to complain compared to Damian Lillard. He's put 10 years of his heart and soul into this organization and really not gotten the, the contender he hoped for back. Um, and he still kind of seems in it for the long run um compared to zion which is just crazy in his third year um which is just i don't even know it's just so unheard of yeah i mean dame lula it's one of those guys is like fans are begging him to ask for a trade tech deal even like right. trailblazers fans at this point probably just want the best for him i mean it's crazy um 
but yeah, I mean, that's just the state of the, of the NBA, to be honest. And that's one thing that's become, uh, you know, majorly, uh, a factor in, in the day and age. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. I think with that, that kind of does it for, uh, all the main storylines topics going on right now in the NBA. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. If you don't have it all, haven't already, uh, please like comment and subscribe, uh, check us both out on Instagram. Our links will be in the bio. Uh, check out the podcast on Instagram at Outside the Arena Podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Outside the Arena. And with that, uh, thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you all back here next week.